0: As we worship God in Christ Jesus at Lord of Hosts International Church As Henry Young, the General Overseer of Lord of Hosts International Churches Ministers to you in partnership with the Holy Spirit Jesus is Lord with you forever. We're still talking about ministering to your man of God This morning let me start by balancing something Which is the fact that sometimes some people think that when they've given tithes and given offerings and supported the work, they have ministered to the man of God. Yeah. To a very great extent, that is a huge piece of ministering to your man of God. Amen. Because when that is done, especially if what you have done is strategic, is, is needful and necessary in the ministry at that time, it takes, the, it takes the burden of that, of the man of God. So that's part of it. Amen? But it's important for us to understand that Those kind of givings is not equal to giving to pastor. This understanding is necessary for three reasons. Number one, so that the world that tries to deceive the children of God, they see you want to pay tithe and they say, why do you want to carry your money and go and give pastor? You can get clarity. That is not pastor's money. Pastor has a right of oversight. Pastor has a right of administration. Pastor has a right to look at the tithe you have paid and the offering you have given and the donation you have made in church and say, okay, let's put it here. Let's use it for this. Let's use it for that. Do you understand? Pastor also has a right to take care of himself from it if he must. Because the Bible says those that minister at the altar are partakers of the altar. But that is not pastor's money. Are you with me? Those are the monies with which the church runs. Everything that is run. Including salaries and allowances for staff of the ministry. So the difference is it's not like a money pastor can take and say this brother gave me this money. And then use it for whatever he likes. At least I can say no responsible pastor does that. I don't do that. Pastors in our branches don't do that. Not because we're afraid of men or men's criticism, but because we understand that there is a supervisor in heaven looking at every ministry work. And we do know that when you are faithful, he will bless you. More or less, much of what we do really in this ministry is take care of the work when those kind of givings are done, tithes are paid, offerings are given. Okay, what is needed in the work? What is needed in the church? Both in the headquarters and sometimes for some of our branches that are still not yet able to stand on their own. And then it is after we've done that, we now say, okay... Is there something remaining so we can take care of ourselves? So the question sometimes what if nothing is remaining? May something always remain. Let me read two scriptures for you that makes a comparison between these two kind of givings. Second Chronicles 31 from verse 2 to 5. Why we are looking for that scripture? The second reason I thought I should clarify this is because this is one of the reasons some Christians do not minister to their man of God. It's not that they don't love the man of God. It's not that they don't want to give and prosper. But they believe that I've paid my tithes. Pastor, should be okay. Are you with me? So, innocently, with a genuine heart, they find themselves far short of this aspect of giving also, which is ministering to your man of God. So I want such people to know that they are not exactly the same. You cannot pay tithes now, and I close my eyes, no matter how much the tithe is, and I say, okay, this is what I want to use it to do. I want to use it and build a house. I can't do that. My conscience can't even carry that. Our first thing, what do we need to do in church? What has been waiting for us to do? What was our plan that if money comes in in this magnitude, we're going to do this in church? Then when I've done that, I would think of staff. That's my nature. I will think of staff and pastors that have served faithfully and with commitment. And probably needs they have that are present that requires extra support beyond their monthly allowance to deal with. I would think of that. Then when I'm done with that, if your tithe is so big that there's a leftover, before I can now say to myself, okay, what are your needs? That's how I operate. And we still believe, God, that the days are going to come when God is so going to bless you. That your tithes are going to be that much bigger. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Now but if somebody comes to me and says. Pastor take this money. I sow into your life. That one I am at liberty to do anything I like with it. Although even when I get that. I still tell myself that look as a child of God. That thing you preach to people. You have to lead in practicing it. I still say to myself, is there anything that needs to be done first in the work? Then I will think of seed to my own father and the Lord. Then I will think of my own need. Because if I eat everything, I don't know I'm going to have the harvest to meet the next need. That's how I live. But at least in that one, I'm at liberty. It's my money. I can do anything I like. If I like, I carry it and go and buy 55 shoes and wear. Nobody will arrest me for that. Are you getting my point? So that slight difference is there. That slight difference is there. The difference, they all bring, I believe, I believe, the same harvest. But I think the slight difference is you set the man of God at liberty. You set the man of God at liberty. That's the slight difference there. Amen? Amen. You set him at liberty. Praise the living God. Second Chronicles 31 verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the causes of the priests and the Levites. After their causes, as he gave them their jobs and what they were supposed to be doing according to the law of Moses. Every man according to his service. The priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings to minister and to give thanks. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. You remember that in the Old Testament, when an offering is brought to the house of God, there are specific portions that God instructed the priest that this one you can take and eat. But this one, you can't eat it. You burn it as a burnt offering are you getting something so that kind of also throws a little light on what i have talked about that i just remember that when i saw the issue of bond offering and peace offerings all right verse three he appointed also the king's portion of his substance for the bond offering the king gave some things from his own substance for the bond offering to wit, for the morning and evening bond And the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths and for the new moons and for the set feasts as it is written in the law of the Lord. Verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwell in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites. That they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. We have explained this scripture before. Verse 5. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance. Take note. The first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the field. People have always asked me, if I do business or I work, which one will I use as first fruit? Every first income in all of them. All the increase of the field. And the tithe of all things, the tithe of all things, brought they in abundantly. Praise the Lord. Now, the king gave this commandment, they brought all of those things. Is that verse 5? okay they brought all of those things i think it's let's see verse six. in verse 6 that the scripture says no that's not what i'm looking for but the the point here is when they brought all these things it was so many i think we will need to read more before we get it that the priests and the levites now had enough but remember that the scripture said started by saying the burnt offerings are there, the morning burnt offering, the afternoon burnt offering, the evening burnt offering. So the priests are not going to be at liberty to have from there until the burnt offerings are accomplished. Until they've sacrificed the ones they will need to sacrifice in fire for God. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. In the New Testament church, that is like when offerings and tithes come in, the burnt offerings to God, which you don't eat as the priest are the things the work of God needs immediately that must be attended to. And that, in God's sight, and I I adopted that side in my side, comes before your personal need. As a minister. So that's why that kind of giving is not the same thing as ministering to your man of God. It's more like, like ministering to the ministry. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But I understand that different people have different passions. Different people have different passions. There are people, their passion is the man of God. There are people, their passion is the work of God. There are people, their passion is to give into evangelism. Whichever one your passion is, please go ahead giving. I believe that they may carry a core reward. If God teaches me another thing tomorrow, I will share with you. But there is a setting at liberty. That you do to the man of God. When you minister to him personally. That way even if he decides to put it back in the work of God. He has a sense of personal sacrifice. I don't know if you are with me this morning. right, so let's read the other scripture. That compares the two. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians. Chapter 4. We will read verse 10. And then we jump to verse 15. Why we will jump is because this is just to make a point. We will come back to it in one of the items we will handle today. Philippians 4 verse 10. Why don't you go everybody read with me please. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at the last your care of me. Had flourished again. wherein ye also. Or we were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. In other words, it, it bothered you. You were concerned about the need to minister to me personally. You were careful about that. You didn't forget that. You remembered that. You had that in your heart. But the only problem is that things didn't flow the way you wanted at that time. So now that things have flown and you have been able to minister for me... Paul said, I rejoice greatly. I rejoice greatly. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. That now at last your care of me has flourished. Paul is talking about a personal ministration to himself. When Paul talks about ministering to the work, in fact, he said to a certain church, he said, I robbed other churches to do you labor. I robbed other churches. In other words, I collected what should have been used to serve other churches to serve you. That's ministering to the work. And it's perfect. It's good. It's okay. But if you can do the two, it's fantastic. The Bible says, sow your seed in the morning, sow your seed in the evening. Give a portion to seven. Give a portion to eight. For you know not whether will bring forth whether this or that. So it's, it's more advantageous to be involved in both. Amen. It's more advantageous to be involved in both. I also feel, I don't think I have come to that point. I, may I never come to that point? Because I love the work that God has put in my hands. But I also think, I'm thinking psychologically now that it's possible that I, as a human being, if you... Put Into the work, put into the work, put into the work, you don't put into the worker. I don't know whether the worker will feel hundred percent satisfaction. I don't know. I've not found myself there, so I've not assessed it, but I doubt it because of what I know about human beings. But if you put into the work, you put into the worker, you put into the work, you put into the worker. I think there's a balance. Are we together? All right, verse, verse five now. Did I say fifteen or five? Fifteen, okay. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. This is not a good place for a pastor to be. The work was going on, but nobody gave to Paul personally. And for whatever reason is best known to the Holy Spirit, Paul noted it and the Holy Spirit said, write it down. I don't know why, but I think it's for us to learn. Amen? Amen? It's for us to learn. And you know, there are some people in church who think that the man of God does not know those who give to him and those who don't give to him. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I know. I pray for everybody. I love everybody. I bless everybody. But I know those who give to me. Amen? And I will not lie to you. I wish they can always keep having more. Paul noted it. Verse 16 now. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. That's the phrase that brought me to this scripture. They gave to Paul's necessity. In other words, it was a personal giving to Paul. This is Not just supporting the work. It's ministering to the man of God himself. Hello? And Paul said, you did it once and again. Even when I was in Thessalonica. So it's like it's a habit of the Philippian church. Also Paul said, you gave unto my necessity. That your giving met some needs in my life. And I think I seriously want to advocate that. We, we should receive grace to have that kind of mindset. Yeah. That when you want to minister to the man of God. Your ministration should, should meet some need. Some people do certain things. That don't, you, you just see. It, you know they didn't intend to meet any need. The challenge in that is. Does God accept that? Hello? Let us go to verse 19 now. Should I read? Okay, let's flow with verse 17. 17. Not because I desire the gift, but I desire fruits that may abound in your account. 18. We'll, we'll visit that later. But I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things... Which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice. Acceptable. Well pleasing to God. This is where you hit the nail. When you do that kind of ministration. And it becomes such that is. Of a sweet smell. It becomes a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. It becomes a sacrifice that is well pleasing to God. Then verse 19 will follow. Read 19 if you want it in your life. One, two, go. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Excuse me, what a man, so whether shall he also reap. You ministered unto my necessity. Another phrase for that is you supplied my needs. And then you did it in such a way that I am full and I abound. It's so much that I have more than enough. That's what Paul is saying. Then he turns and says, Now, because you have done that also, my God will now supply your own needs. Say amen. amen. That might be a prophetic word for somebody. My God will supply your need. You have supplied my need, my God will supply your need. Because here is what God had in mind for for what do I say? administering his kingdom and the ministry of the gospel the way it is. this is what God has in mind okay I know you have needs I know you have a family I know you have wife you have children you need house like every human being you need cars like every human being you need clothes like every human being you need to leave inheritance for your children like every human being I know you need all that but come I want you to serve me I want you to help me be ministering to these people They go to business, you will not go. They go to look for a job. I know you have a good degree, but don't worry. Use that degree now and serve me. What you're going to be doing for me, when they go to business, stay in my presence. When they go to business, sit in the office to talk to those who need spiritual help. Prepare yourself because I'll give you word to teach them. Now you say, God, I have needs. He said, don't worry. I will bless them and I will touch their heart and they will supply, they will minister to your necessity. Come on, somebody. Now, that was what happened. You minister to their spiritual necessity, they minister to your material necessity. These people now minister to Paul's material necessity. Paul now said, okay, also now that you've done that, let me tell you the consequence of what you've done. Before I used to think this is a prayer. I think it was last week that the Lord opened my eyes. That this is not a prayer. This is an announcement of consequence. That my God will now supply. So the more they minister to Paul. The more God supply. They minister to Paul liberally. They minister so that Paul was full and abound. Then God now said also. When I supply. I will not supply according to your size. I will supply according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Bro, when God decides to bless you according to his riches in glory, it says one thing, the blessing will be oversized. Who wants oversized blessing? I didn't hear too many people. Who wants oversized blessing? May God bless you in the oversized manner. In the mighty name of Jesus. May God bless you. In the oversized manner. May God bless you. To the magnitude that people will be. When they see you. They will be looking for who has what you have. All right. right, haven't said all that. Now what is the implication. Of ministering to the man of God. To your man of God. Number one. When you minister to your man of God, you're ministering unto Jesus Christ directly. Matthew chapter 10. You know, the only little challenge some people who don't understand how God functions, have with this matter, is because they, they see man in between. I am very sure that if Jesus Christ was to appear physically and ask people to give him something because he wants to Give it to his servant. Everybody will give. And everybody will give their best. I don't know if I'm talking. Well, well, let me talk about myself since you are not responding. I said everybody will give. I will give. I will give my best. I don't know whether I will sell something to give. But I think everybody, if Jesus is to stand physically. So sometimes the challenge is that we see man too much. But I want to encourage you in this church. In your giving, see Christ. Amen. That amen has to be better than that. Amen. Matthew chapter 10 verse 40. In your giving, see Christ. See beyond man. See beyond man. See beyond man. If you seek Christ, number one, you have a right mindset in giving. Number two, you will sow bountifully instead of sparingly. And you know the result. You will reap bountifully too. Matthew 10, verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Is that in your Bible? Verse 41. He that receiveth a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now this is one scripture that actually separates just giving to any believer and giving to a servant of God. Verse 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily. Anything Jesus says in the Bible, and he uses very, look at it very well. I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now, Jesus said, if you as much as give a cup of cold water to even these small, small children, just because they are followers of Christ, they are disciples of Christ, he said you will in no wise lose your reward. Nothing will make your reward not to come to you. Hello? Now imagine But before he said that He first tells you He that receiveth you That's the ministers now Receiveth me And he that receiveth me Receiveth him that sent me So simply put Whatever treatment you give your man of God Is the treatment you're giving to Jesus Or Jesus receives it as the way you treat him And Jesus not only receives it as the way you treat him It is seen as the way you treat God the father in heaven there's no time you're going to carry money and go and give God in heaven. He doesn't even need it there anyway. If you were to carry money and fly to heaven and say, Heavenly Father, I brought you some money. He will say, thank you very much. God, I bless you for bringing me some money. But please go to the earth. I have some people that are working for me. Give it to them. They know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Are we together? Yes, sir. Now, he progresses to say, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet and if you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you get a prophet's reward and a righteous man's reward. To you. What is he saying? He's saying, when you minister to any believer, you have reward. You give a cup of cold water to these little ones. In the name of a disciple, you shall in no wise lose your reward. This is not about you. This is about the faithfulness of Christ himself. Say amen to that. Amen now so if you minister to a disciple a cup of cold water and your reward is guaranteed what happens when you minister to a prophet because he first told you about separating between the prophet and just any other righteous man because every prophet should be a righteous man but all righteous men are not prophets And this also should affect the mindset with which you give. This is why people who tell you, "Hey, why are they buying a car for pastor? Hey, Why are they giving that to pastor? Why don't you give it to the poor? Because they are ignorant of scriptures. You are not giving to pastor because he lacks. You are giving to pastor because of his office. There is something the one who put him in that office has attached to happen when you give him because of that office that was why paul said in philippians 4 we read he said i am not saying this because i desire a gift i am teaching you what i'm teaching you because i desire fruit that may abound in your account ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something let me tell you something and every pastor here can bear me witness Pastor UK has pastored the church so he can bear me witness one of the greatest desire do i call it one of the greatest blessing a pastor can wish Is the financial promotion of his members. Whether you give him or you don't give him. Because he looks at it like this. If they are blessed. At least some people will be faithful. The blessing will affect him. That aside. He also looks at it like this. If you are blessed. You are promoted. You are up there in life. There are certain things I will be protected from. Whether you give me money or not. If you become the governor of River State tomorrow, I know you give me money because you do. But whether that money comes or not, there are people who will not look for my trouble because you are a governor. They will (laughs) say, Come on, to na governor, pastor. So for that alone, you cannot cure a pastor from the desire to see his members blessed. You cannot cure him from that. It's a sickness you can't cure us from and we don't want to be cured from it. (laughs) Amen. So now, Jesus said what he said because he wants your mind when you are giving to a man of God, give it with a purpose and an understanding in your heart that this one is for my man of God. And I am giving to him because he's a man of God. I am giving to him because he's a prophet. I am not giving to him because he lacks because those who think that giving to man of god should be done when he lacks when the man of god gets blessed they stop their giving those who don't understand that you give because of the work he's carrying because of the office he occupies those who don't understand that will say why should i give him he has more than me and when they are saying those things to themselves the devil is rejoicing because they are removing one major indices of their own prosperity I'll tell you an example The president of Nigeria Flies a presidential jet, right? Can the ministry of finance say We will no longer service the jet Because we as ministry of finance don't even have a jet Can they say that? They can't say that because that jet is because of his office and it has to be sustained. If they don't do it, you will hear a nation that can't even service their presidential jet. So that's why Jesus said he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet, not in the name of a hungry man that came to beg you for food. I am what I'm doing for my man of God because he is a man of God and I know that when I do for the man of God, the God he serves will supply my needs according to his own riches in glory by Christ Jesus that element of understanding and faith and focus in your giving has to be there for it to produce result Because the basic reason I am teaching everything I am teaching is this. I want whatever you do for me to bring result in your life. Because the result it produces in your life is my testimony for the next preaching. I don't like it when people give and they have no testimony. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I remember a sister who sent me a a, a WhatsApp message. Mommy read... Read the WhatsApp message. I told her, I said, it would have been good for you to come and share this testimony yourself. She said, I'm traveling so I can't be in church. She said, Pastor, help me tell the church that God is faithful. That sowing and reaping is true. I know what she sowed. I know what she read. But I told her, after she sent me that text message, I said, please, permit me to code it. Because, for security reasons, she started laughing. Wisdom requires that. Are you with me? And I will choose not to go into details. Maybe if she has opportunity to testify, let her do it the way she wants. She sold quite heavily in the last convention. She sowed heavily. I think she out- actually, out in, in what I saw, she gave more than everyone. And after the convention, she came to thank me. So I said, why? You gave. I should be saying thank you and God bless you. She said, no, pastor, don't tell me thank you. I never knew that there is this kind of gospel. And you call, for, if you didn't call for the giving, I wouldn't give. If you didn't speak the way you spoke, I wouldn't give the way I gave. But when you spoke and I gave the way I did, the harvest she's reaping is fearful. One day she came to see me. She needed counseling. And I love that kind of counseling. Because it was no longer to ask me to pray. There's a problem. It was to say to me, Pastor, please help me pray. I want to know why God is blessing me like this. Because I didn't, I didn't plan for this. I just wanted to be comfortable in my life. But the day you said, You don't want our members being comfortable. You want them extremely rich. Because that is how the gospel responds. She said, that day I opened my heart. You will have that same testimony. In the name of Jesus. There are things she asked me to say. I don't want to say that. When she comes, let us say the one she will say. But think of it for a while. What if I didn't speak the way I spoke? But what led us to her testimony? Because when I take my time to teach like this, when it's a time or a season to give, it's because I want you to do it in a way that will produce result. Because I've seen Christians give and have result. And I've also seen some Christians give and not have result. And I have studied the word of God and I found out what is responsible. May you give and have result. In Jesus' mighty name. So the implication of giving to your man of God is that you're giving to Christ himself directly. And you're giving to God the Father directly. Say amen to that. The second implication is that you are sacrificing unto God. Every time you give to your man of God, you are making a sacrifice unto the God of heaven and earth. Every time you give to your man of God, you're making a sacrifice to God alright I will try not to preach long today as we begin to see where to tie this the next question I want to answer is why should I give to my man of God why should I be giving to my man of God number one because God ordained it so how many of you love God and you will want to obey God God ordained it so Say amen to that. God ordained it so. 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 so. Can I hear you say amen? amen? Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 19. Deuteronomy 12, verse 19. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levites. As long as thou livest upon the earth. That as long as you are alive, make sure not to forget your men of God and women of God. Make sure. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levites. As long as thou livest upon the face of the earth. When I read this scripture, I think, I think, I stand to be corrected, but I think that God actually even wants you to come to the point where as you make money, You are not only thinking of how to pay your tithe and and solve your problems. You are thinking of how to pay your tithe and how to bless your man of God and your men of God and your women of God. Are you getting what I am saying? When it becomes a regular habit, that is what it means not to forsake the Levites. And the Bible says do it as long as you are alive. It's a divine ordinance. It's a divine ordinance. Deuteronomy 18 verse 5. Deuteronomy 18, verse 5. Ah, man. I can see God doing something new in your finances. I just remember something. How God transits people in life. This sister, I'm giving her testimony. I also remember when it was pastor pray. Pastor pray. Pastor pray. At some point, they demanded a compromise from her. She came and told me. I said, no, you won't do that. You won't do what is a lie. It's a, what they are telling you to do is a lie. You won't do it. She laughed. She said, I already plan not to do it, but I don't know whether I have the strength because the money involved here is big. But I decided to come and talk to you so that I know you. I know what you will say. I know you. So when you say don't do it, I will now know that it's a matter of obedience or disobedience. And when I told her not to do the wrong thing they asked her to do, the team began to shake. I told her, I said, my sister, I have come to a point in my work with God that I prefer to starve than to eat the devil's food. Mmm. I think I like that statement. (laughs) I prefer to starve than to eat the devil's food. Because devil food, they purge (laughs) belay. I said to her, more so, I know, I know the God will serve. You cannot stand for him and he forsakes you. I know the God will serve. I said, this is my faith. Anything you forfeit, because you want to stand for what is right before God, God will give you better. So she stood her ground. Imagine where they are calling somebody, come and take contract. Is that a no-go-take? Because that thing you are asking me to do is a sin against God. And I'm a child of God. I cannot do that. Then, So, pastor, pray, pastor, pray. We kept praying. We kept believing God. After a while, they now called us. Okay, what do you want us to do? So that you will handle this job. She said, I cannot tell lies. I'm a child of God. If I must handle this job, let's do it like this, the way it's supposed to be done. They said, it will reduce your profit too. She said, I don't care. It's okay. Guess what? She was given the job, but here's what happened. The number of what was given her to do, the profit per job is reduced, but the number of what is now given her to do is making her make a lot more money. Than she would have made if she had done the one they told her to do in compromise. I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, you are faithful. (laughs) Can I bless somebody this morning? That will be your testimony. Anything you have forfeited. Anything it appears as if you would have gained it if you compromised but you refuse to compromise because you love jesus you want to serve jesus you want to honor jesus may the god who you honored give you 10 times more than what you lost in the mighty name of jesus the amazing thing in her testimony is the same people that said you must compromise and she said no and they said you're not going to get this job if you don't compromise the same people turn around and say okay we want you to do it how do you want to do it May God make the wicked to bow before you. May God make those demanding compromise from you. Bow before the righteousness of God in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 5. For the Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all thy tribes. To stand to minister in the name of the Lord. He is and him. Sorry. And him and his sons forever. Verse Six. And if a Levite come from any of thy gates out of all Israel where he sojourned and come with all the desire of his, heart, of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose. Uh-huh. This God is too detailed. Let me read this scripture. No, put verses. Let me read it the way it would have sounded in the New Testament. If a pastor... Come out from his house. That is the pastor that is laboring among you. And come with certain needs he has in his heart. He will come to the church. That's the way that scripture will read in the New Testament. Verse 7. Then, he will do what? Minister. minister. In the name of the Lord, his God. Let him, if a pastor has need, let him go and minister. Minister. wow wow not let him go and beg, let him go and minister not let him tell lies to raise money, let him go and minister hello let not him get angry and say all these people that refuse to give in fact, I dust off my certificate I get a new job, let him go and minister man, I'm loving scriptures more and more then he shall minister in the name of the Lord his God as all his brethren, as all the ministers the Levites do which standeth there before the Lord. Verse 8 They shall have like portions to eat beside that which cometh of the sale of his patrimony beside the things his father could give him as an inheritance. Once he ministers, his need should be met. Simple, pastor. You need money. Go and go and minister. What is minister? Preach for, preach to people. Pray for people. If the spirit of prophecy come upon you, prophesy over people. How does that meet my need? After he does that, let them bless him and meet his need. That is a divine ordinance. That is how God ordained it to be. Can I hear somebody say Amen here? That is how God ordained it to be. That is how God ordained it to be. First Corinthians chapter. 9 verse 7. First Corinthians 9 verse 7. I want you to understand these things as clear as possible. I pray that God will bless you so much Amen. and bring you to the point that when you are coming to church on Sunday, you will bring your offering, you bring your tithe, you bring a seed for pastor. Amen. Our pastor is going to minister today, and since he's going to minister today, I want to meet a need in his life. First Corinthians 9-7 Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planted a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? We are the flock of God. And the the scripture simply says anybody feeding us should enjoy some milk when it is well with us. Simple. (laughs) Verse 8. Say I these things as a man or say it not the Lord the same also. Hello. Verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses thou shalt not muzzle the Mouth of the oaks that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of oxen? In other words, is God bothered about oxen that, is, that made him give this law? Verse 10. Please read with me. Want to go? Oh, yes. Or sayeth he eat altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And that he that treasures in hope should be a particular of his hope. This scripture sounds like this: it sounds like saying, When the man of God, like we read in Deuteronomy 18, comes and minister to you, he is planting a vineyard. When he comes and minister to you, he is feeding a flock, and he deserves milk from the flock he's feeding. When he comes and minister to you, He is like an ox that is treading out corn. Why does the scripture have to fix this? Because some Christians need to understand that the man of God is actually contributing to your prosperity. If you know that and you think so and you appreciate what God is doing in your life, you will always appreciate the vessel. But somehow, the flesh and the devil has gotten some believers to where they think and they don't believe that the man of God is making any contribution to their prosperity. And that's what makes some Christians, when they prosper, they become arrogant. When they prosper, they backslide. When they prosper, they are no more submissive to the authority of the pastor. Because they don't know or they don't think That all these teachings he's been doing, all this praying he's been praying, all this declaration, spoken words he's pouring out. They don't think that's why what is happening is happening. They think it's their connection. They think it's their intelligence. They think it's their labor. They think it's their hard work. They do not think that there's a spiritual release and imputes that brought all that together to happen. That's why they forget him. But I thank God for you. Amen. And I thank God for the men's fellowship that started this. Amen. Because everyone that hears God's voice will no longer forget us. Amen. He said, is God saying these things for, because of oaks? What consigned God with oaks? But God is saying these things for our sake. We, the ministers. Why? So that as we are plowing, you must understand that we are plowing in your life. We're tilling the ground in your life. We're tilling the ground with you. When you go to negotiate business, I may not be physically present, but my prayer went with you. When you go to negotiate business, I may not be physically present. I may not give you money to do business, but my anointing backed you up. The prayer I prayed in the morning backed you up. The declaration I made on Sunday backed you up. Can I hear somebody that believes it say amen to that? Some teachings I have done backed you up, gave you wisdom. When some forces stood against you and said this breakthrough will not happen. The word of God that came from my mouth said no. A man of God has spoken. And God is under obligation to fulfill what his servant has spoken. So you devil give way because that breakthrough must be his own. God bless you man. So, the Bible says we are plowing. And when we are plowing in your life, create a situation so that we can be plowing in hope. What is the hope? I know that if that thing happens for you, something will happen for me. Something go for. Thank you, sir. I know that when that money enters your account, something will enter my own account. How does a human being walk with hope? Yes. Hope is knowing that something is coming. Yes. So the same way you say, Pastor, two billion is coming. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray. Yes. And Pastor is praying and believing God. Convince heaven. Yes, Convince earth. Convince the spirit and the anointing and the man of God. That when this two billion drop in your account, something good will drop in his own account. And how do you convince him? By a character and a habit of blessing him from before then. There are people in this church that all I need, if God just want to bless me and make me have some things, let him just put it in their power. Because they have a willing heart. I know that. I know that like I know my name. Then there are people also in this church. I want God to bless everybody. Your blessing is my testimony. But I am not sure if he blesses you, whether anything will change for me. I am not sure. I hope so. I pray so. But I'm not sure about that. The question is, where do you belong? In these two categories of people, where do you belong? If you belong to the first category that I know that if it happens for you, it has happened for me. You are the one that is making me plow in hope. you don't belong to that category well i will plow because it's my job to plow but i'm plowing in hopelessness god forbid it that he that plowed should plow in hope and that he that treasured in hope should be a partaker a partaker of his hope i have been praying i have been believing we have been speaking we have been declaring we have been decreeing we have been doing warfare we have been doing we have been prophesying we have been teaching and finally, the billions land in your hand. Let us be partakers. The Bible, receive in the name of Jesus. The Bible said that he that treasures should be a partaker of his hope. I'm trusting in hope that a great breakthrough is coming your way. I'm trusting in hope that a great breakthrough is coming your way. I'm trusting in hope that a great breakthrough is coming. Your way. I should be able to say, okay, when 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 he gets that money, I should be able to finish my house. I should have that confidence. But what is it that gives me that confidence? What you have been doing before. Your character. Your consistency in doing it before time. Is what gives me that confidence. Glory to God. Let's read on. Verse 11. So next time somebody tells you hey pastors are just collecting money tell them to go and read scripture properly before they go. You know one of the things I don't know if we will ever have solution to that problem about the gospel is that everybody want to comment. In life it is safer not to comment on anything you are not deeply knowledge about. Everybody want to comment. Verse 11 If we have shown unto you Spiritual things. Is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal kind of things? So now you understand that that's exactly what all the explanation is about. Verse twelve: If others be partaker of this power over you, are not we? Rather, nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel now of Christ. Now here's what Paul is saying: When you have a mind that is supposed to give into your man of God then the man of God may choose not to push it in order for the gospel not to be hindered. But take note of one thing, you are making him suffer some things. Pardon, sir. Yes, you're muscling the mouth of the ox that is treading the corn. And may you not be that in Jesus' name. But here is the issue. Who makes a man of God suffer some things and he himself will not suffer some things? If you muzzle the marks of the ox, he can't tread anymore. He that giveth a cup of cold water to this little one in the name of a disciple shall in no wise lose his reward. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've seen people that call, call, come into the church, God bless them. The next thing they think is to check out. And I've also seen many of them crumble on the long, on the long run. Because it's like, it's like somebody bestows labor. And then when it's time to eat the fruit of the labor, that's when you pick offense. And deprive him his labor. Verse 13. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the holy things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Partakers with the altar. I used to think this scripture means partakers from the altar. There's a difference between partakers from the altar. Partakers from the altar means what is in the altar they can go and collect from there. That side is there. But partakers with the altar means what as you give to the altar, you give to them. Because the altar without a priest is a useless piece of block. <laughs> So as you put a sacrifice on the altar, also put a sacrifice on the priest that ministered the altar. Mm. Verse 14 finally. That's the last we will read here. Even so had the Lord ordained. Who ordained? Who ordained? So the next time the devil wants to sneak a feeling into your thoughts or somebody that is an ignorant person or a hater of Christ and church tells you, hey, pastor, just they use and they make money. Ask him, it's not pastor that ordained you. It's the Lord. Hey, you they carry that kind of money, go give pastor. Many years ago when our church was in primary school in Kala, in, in a group of people came together, put their money together and bought me my first car. It was a Mercedes Benz. And one woman was very excited about it and went home and told her husband. The man was angry. The man did not contribute, his wife did not contribute. But now, then the vex pass. You know, give us, give us in church, all this talk, they are not involved in it. It's those who don't give that are angry about the giving of others. The man was so angry. So the wife said, what are you angry about? Our pastor is a good man of God. That if, if I had the money, I would have joined them to contribute. She's safe to say you do, I'm going to kill you. <sighs> so I left the matter. A few months later, the man lost his job. He was working in an oil servicing company. He lost his job. The wife who was not working got a job. I won't talk more than that. You do the mathematics yourself. Even so had the Lord ordained that they which preached the gospel should live of the gospel. <laughs> Thank you Jesus. Thank you, so the first reason why we should minister to a man of God is because God ordained it so. Number two reason is to encourage men of God to face the work of God. We will not dwell too much on this because we've spoken about that last Sunday. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 4. Let us just read it for the sake of those who were not here last Sunday. 2 Chronicles 31 Verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. When you minister to your man of God, I minister consistently and minister bountifully. He gets encouraged to stay in the work. He gets encouraged to do the work. Am I talking to somebody? Yes. Some time ago, I traveled for administration. I traveled for a program. And where I was in the city where I went to preach, the Lord spoke to me about a pastor. Please listen to this next morning. A pastor that I used to know that left ministry and went and got a job in a hotel. Yeah. So the Lord spoke to me to tell him that he's out of the line of destiny. So as we came in from the airport, I told him to carry me straight to that hotel. I called him, are you at work? He said, yes, as I'm coming to see you. So I went to the hotel. I told him, I said, this is what the Lord spoke to me about. He said, "Ha, man of God is true. My conscience has been grinding me. But the problem I have is that I'm tired of begging people. He said, I have to beg for almost everything. House rent, I beg. I have only one son. My son's school fees, I beg. And I just woke up one day and said to myself, you are educated. What are you begging for? So I decided to dust up my certificate and go get a job. And when I got the job I was thinking I could carry the job alongside my ministry. But I just found out that I made a mistake. It's not working. So every time this what you're saying, the Lord has spoken to me. But every time the Lord brings it to my mind, if I remember the experience of begging. I don't want to do that. He said because I started this work for about four years now. I'm already building a house. So I compare where I am and how I used to live then. My wife was always sad because I never have anything to give her. And I don't want to take away this smile I'm seeing on her face. I said, well, the decision is yours to make, but I've given you the word I feel I receive from God. I don't know why it was like that, but I think that there would also have been a time that God would take you out of that phase. There was a time I was hungry, but now I'm not hungry again. So when I was living, he said, but something happened though. I said, what happened? He said, "When when I was in ministry, there was a man I prayed for. And after I prayed, I didn't know what happened because they were not members of our church. When I packed up the ministry, after like two years, the man came. He said he was looking for me and they told him I walk here. He came here to see me. And he handed me over a brand new car. A brand new Honda Civic. And he said to me, that prayer you prayed for me that time, God answered it. And the money I was expecting was paid to me. So, but... I didn't know why I didn't remember you. But after some time, one day the thought just came into my mind that I was supposed to appreciate that pastor. So I decided, me and my wife decided to buy this car and find you and give it to you. He said, when I remember the sufferings I suffered... I don't feel like going back to ministry. But when I see the car, it's like also you may be building a house from your job, but also you got this from ministry. What's the point? That gift became a point of encouragement. Why do you minister to your man of God? So they can be encouraged in the work of God. Do you want to encourage the work of God? May God encourage you to encourage his work. May you never be the one that would discourage the work of God. Let your amen be louder now. Number three. Because God also uses us to minister in your prosperity. And I I am chosen to be modest with what they We are partners with you in your prosperity. We are partners with you in your prosperity. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4 and verse 10. 2nd Corinthians chapter 6, we read verse 4 first. But all but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distress. What concerns me there is approving ourselves as ministers of God. I brought it to verse 4 so that when we read verse 10 you will be able to connect that he was talking about ministers of the gospel. Hello? Verse 10. Read verse 10 with me, everybody. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet what? Let me see if you saw it in your Bible. As poor yet what? One more time. As poor yet what? Making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. The Bible says, as ministers of God, one of the things we do is that we make people rich. Poor. As poor. In other words, the man of God may not have what you have. But the man of God is one of the reasons you have what you have. The man of God may not have what you have. But the man of God contributed his part to your having what you have. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10. As poor, yet making many rich. Now, I asked God a question this morning. As I was going through these messages again. Please listen carefully. Because it will help you. I said, God, if we pastors make many rich, we make people rich. How come those who are not born again and don't have any pastor in their life, how come some of them are rich? So he's making them rich. I didn't ask that question because I dispute the word of God. Are you with me? But I wanted to know. And the Lord gave me an amazing illustration. Dickie, your son Joseph has a coach. A football coach. Do you have a football coach? No. Why? I'm not a footballer. Simple. He wants to play football. He wants to take it as a career. So he needs a coach. You don't want to play football. You don't want to take it as a career, so you don't need a coach. The Spirit of God gave me that illustration. He said, When you are a child of the kingdom, you want to be rich in righteousness. You need a pastor. You need a coach. But the world want to be rich but not in righteousness so they don't need a pastor. He said number 2 when the world sets out to make money the devil does not oppose them because he knows that what both them and what they make still belongs to him. Yes. The devil could never have opposed Buhari from being president. He will push him. Because he knows that if he gets in there, he will wreak havoc in Nigeria. He knows that. But if a Christian that is born again, that has a heart of Christ, wanted that office, the devil will fight him to finish. Because the devil knows if he enters there, he can not have blood to suck. So, that is why, when the unbeliever wants to make money, He puts the natural principles of making money. He gets the money because there's no devil hindering him. There's no devil stopping him. He's not going to sponsor any gospel. He will just have more girlfriends and probably spread more HIVs. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And probably enter more cults and probably initiate some more people into more cults. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But when a true child of God wants to make the same money, the devil stands up and says it will not happen. Because he knows if it happens, his kingdom will be raised. And so now you that want to make that money and there is an invisible, there's a spiritual enemy, you need spiritual partners. In every day with Jesus Christ at Lord of hosts, lives are transformed in every way. Sorrow is turned into laughter. The saints are renewed every day. The sick are healed, the captives are set free, the troubled and the afflicted become triumphant and testifies. At Lord of Host International Churches, Eliopramwell Road, off Wimpey Junction, Mile Four, Orombee, Port Harcourt, we preach holiness without compromise through the inspiring, prophetic, and expository teachings of Pastor Henry, bringing you in close understanding to appreciate life in Christ Jesus.